Hi. This is, I'm, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Once you know it's for real, you're like, uh, 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 uh. Hi, I'm Kirsten Jones. And I'm Susie Walton. And this is our podcast, hashtag Raising Athletes with Kirsten and Susie. Our passion is supporting parents and raising not only strong athletes, but extraordinary people. Join us each week as we tackle all topics youth sports, including everything from early specialization and overuse injuries to helping our kids feel empowered and learn how to advocate for themselves, not only in the classroom and on the court, but at dinner tables and in their communities. We'll be talking to coaches, athletes, parents, and anyone else who will speak to us (laughs) about their experiences with youth sports and their paths to success. And even more importantly, their failures. Yes, we're going to get into the gritty details of what went wrong so that we can all learn from it, teach our kids and ourselves how to do better next time. Because in the words of Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. So welcome to Raising Athletes, because we love to win too. Let's do this. Today's topic is we're going to be talking about... um, what happened today, which was this huge announcement, the judge handed down a 150-year sentence to Larry Nasser, who was the USA Gymnastics National Team Sports Medicine doctor, and he was on the staff at Michigan State, um, where over 140 victims came forward with allegations of abuse um, that claimed that he claimed were necessary for medical procedures. So we saw this, and Susie and I were talking about how shocking it is and how what a fine line this is because he was the team doctor. He was the guy that we're all told to to trust. And when we take our kids to a doctor, they're one of the few people that we say it's okay. Um, So today we want to talk about, you know, what does this mean for us as parents? What does this mean for our kids and give you some um, principles around what, what you can do and how you can support your kids in the, in this arena. So first off, Susie, let's talk about um, let's talk about what 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 is your biggest were your biggest reaction to this? You said you were talking with some women this morning who kind of played in this arena and how things have changed over time, or you know. Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing was like, as most of us, especially as parents and coaches, like, how did this happen? Like, how did? how was he able to get away with this for so many years, you know? And I was reading an article where he talked about this woman who was a writer was saying, you know, he connected with me so closely and, you know, we became friends and and he built a network of people, coaches, family, community members of friends. So when, when things popped up here and there that he, it made it easy for people to dismiss it because it sure didn't seem like this was the type of person he was. And so um, I was talking to a couple of women this morning who were on gymnastic clubs when they were young. And, um, you know, one was very young and she said, you know, at that moment, I didn't feel like anything was off track, but looking back now, she was, I remember there was a couple of times where coaches touched me in inappropriate. I feel now looking back inappropriately and it didn't feel right, but I didn't know because I was a young kid. And so I just dismissed it. And the other person that was standing there, who's actually a, a licensed therapist, who also did gymnastics, said, if you felt it was inappropriate, it was. It doesn't matter to what degree. 
And so that's, I feel like it's a lot that went on with these young women um, in this case is because they felt it not right, mm-hmm. but they didn't know what to do with it. You know, some, some of them did tell report it to coaches or their parents, but it, you know, to the school, to universities, but it got like dismissed. And so it, I think today it's important to talk about, you know, as parents, how can we be, how can we be an a, a advocate for our kids when it comes to kids in sports or in schools anywhere? Yeah. You know, like how do we best advocate for them without being the helicopter parent? You know, it's such a fine line. When is it important to step in or not step in? Yeah. And how do you teach them to advocate for themselves? Mm-hmm. Because they know they're you know your body and and they should go with that and they need to understand that if it doesn't feel right, they need to say something, right? Yeah, and if it yeah, and, and we know right now we're talking about the physical part of abuse, but even the verbal. Yeah. As I was sharing with you earlier, I was a swimmer, competitive swimmer. And one time the coach, he was pretty abusive and he would be really hard on us, which whatever. But one time he just reamed me and told me like, I shouldn't be, if I'm swimming like this, I should probably quit wasting my parents' money. So I quit. And, you know, it took him three weeks to get me back on that team. But he never spoke to me like that again. Because I was like, I was only 12 years old or something. But I was like, hey, buddy, if you're going to talk to me like, I'm done. I don't need, I don't need this in my life because it's not how I was raised with my parents and, you know, my siblings. So, um, but it was interesting after that, he never talked to me like that again. And you bring up such a good point, which is the gift that you had from your parents, which was that internal knowing and being able to be strong enough to validate it by saying, no, thank you. Whereas Mm -hmm. I think some kids, and I don't, I mean, these were the top, most elite gymnasts in the, in the United States. So it's also, that's also what's so mind boggling about this one is it's not like just any kid who wanted to get into gymnastics, but understanding that your voice matters and you're willing to walk away. Um, not just say, well, it's a national team or it's this, whatever, the varsity team, or it's, you know, the top, the A team that I've been dying to get on, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't, if it doesn't feel right, then that's not for you. Right. Yeah. Like we, there's always, always have that choice. Yes. I always feel like if you're good enough at anything, someone will find you. Right. It doesn't matter what, whether gymnastic, what club you're in, any sport, if right. you're good enough, you will be found. Yep. And so, you know, it's again, going back to the idea of, of you know, um, teaching our kids how to self-regulate, how to self-abdicate, to know when's, what feels right, what's not, doesn't feel all right. So that's a great point. So let's go into that. So what discussions should we be having with our kids to ensure that they're safe? Like how, how would that look to you? Well, for, I think it starts when our kids are really young, but it's never too late to start. It's, it, I think it's important that our, our kids, no matter what we, they have to say to us, we listen. Oftentimes, you know, especially when little kids, like their puzzles might fall apart or um, they, they, they spill their milk and they have a total meltdown. How often as parents do we say, Hey, it's not that big of a deal. Get over it. We'll get it cleaned up. Bah, bah, bah. Totally negating their tragedy. Cause little kids tragedies are a whole lot different than the adult tragedies. So from the beginning days, whether you're have a two or four year old listening to this or a 14 or 16 year old, start listening, start acknowledging Hey, I can see you spilling your milk was a big one for you. Or, Hey, I can, I can hear that. You know, when the coach, you know, called you and said that you're a waste of money, how that would make you feel like that's not okay. So, you know, and then have them be heard. Um, 
I have friends who raised their kids like this. And when their kids were 16 and 18, they asked them, do you see us parenting you any differently than your friends are parented? And if, if so, what's the biggest difference? And they both said, yes, you parent us way different than most parents. And the biggest difference they said was that they felt like no matter what they had to say mattered. And that didn't happen when they started turning 16. They started this when their kids were little. They said, we don't always get what we want, but we always feel what we have to say matters. So parents, if there's one thing you can start adding into your repertoire of parenting and your parenting toolboxes, start listening. Our kids today need two things from us. They need to be treated with truth and respect. And that listening aspect is in, comes into the respect column. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but just hear them so that they, as they get older, they still want to feel comfortable enough to come and say, this is what's going on in the classroom, or this is what's going on with a coach, and it just doesn't feel right. There's something going on that it doesn't feel right to me, mom or dad. Yes. We all want to be seen and heard, right? And so mm-hmm. if you don't feel like you're being seen or heard, and you're right, it starts as a toddler and works its way up quickly when you're getting older. And if you don't get your opportunity to feel seen and heard, you stop trying, right? And you stop, so, and you stop talking. You yeah. stop communicating because why? What, it She's not going to listen to me anyway. Right. Yeah. Peanuts, right? So, yeah, yeah that's, that's a great... Um, yeah, so who do you who do you see as so yeah, so with in this particular situation, I know it's fairly specific, but we're putting our kids with teachers, with coaches, with trainers that maybe we don't know. What would what advice would you give in in you know, making sure that your that your child is forming a good relationship with that with that person, that care caregiver well, I, coach? You know, I think it's really important to talk to kids what's okay, what's not okay. Even do like, you know, is it okay if this person does that to you? Is it okay, you know, and, you know, just like what's okay, what's not okay? Mm-hmm. Teaching them how to use their voice. If they're having a problem with a teacher or, or a, a coach, to teach them to say, step up to that coach and say, this isn't working for me or I'm not comfortable with that. And then I have them say, so give that a try with your coach or teacher and come back and let me know how it goes. Like give them the first step to go out there and say, this is what's going on for me or that I am not okay with what's happening or to the doctor, this yeah. doesn't feel right. And I know these poor little girls, these girls, man, they, they knew that didn't feel right. Yeah. But boy, this, this whole craziness, there was, there was way too many people involved and this guy had them all in his pocket. And maybe with, I think at any age, but even particularly with smaller ones, you role model it. Hey, let me be your coach. Talk to me, you know, what would you like to say to me? Oh, I don't know. But even just talking it through out loud sometimes helps them find the words that they really want to get to, right? So giving them the opportunity to say what they want to say, right? Yep. And and learn what feels right and what doesn't. I mean, you know, that role play is huge. I mean, even seeing those girls, those little girls, even in the Olympics, when they jump up and, you know, they're picked up and swooned by their coaches and all this hugging. I mean, looking back now... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why is that okay yeah you know occasional hugs okay but this seems like this is happening a lot in the you know and we're all watching it right and now we're all gonna be like whoa it doesn't mean you can't be hugged or you know but it's just that fine line it's all you know the fine line of what's okay what feels right what doesn't feel right yeah i agree all right so we talked about some principles that we would love the parents to take away because i'm all about 
so what now what? Okay. Right. We know what the problem is. What am I supposed to do about it? And so one of my biggest goals with this podcast is that we give parents tools that they can go do something with, right? So if we, let's talk about the principles of how you can support your team to your teen to be a bigger self-advocator. So number one, building self-confidence. So what are the things that we can, what can we do to help promote them building self-confidence? Is by listening. <laughs> it's all going by, by listening. Have practice having them use their voices, right? And um and to just, you know, get in get in touch with how do they feel mentally, physically, emotionally, when things are going on for them in when they're you know, when they're out in the world without us around them. And yeah. really again, acknowledging how they feel, that's what's gonna build self confidence in the child. Like what they have to say matters. Yes. So which is number two, which is use your voice. I read an article a couple months ago and it totally resonated with me. Um, they said the number one parenting mistake that parents make when the kid comes home from school and says, how was your day? And it wasn't a great day. We immediately jump in with, well, I'm going to fix that for you and give them answers. And a lot of times it's kind of like us coming home from the office and things mm-hmm. that go really well. We're not really asking for you to solve my problem. I just want to, I want to use my voice. I want to get the information out there so I can be done with it. So the best thing you can do when they come home and they tell you, oh, the test didn't go so well. Ah, bummer. Yeah. Um, most of us aren't looking for sounding boards. <laughs> you know, I mean, also, I'm sorry. Most of us yes. are looking for sounding boards, yeah. not a fix. Like yeah. we want it to be heard like you're just saying. So let's role play it out. Okay. Let's pretend you're my, uh, you're my junior high or high school daughter coming home from school and, or that you didn't make the starting lineup for a team, whatever, something like that. And the first time I will be ineffective on how, how I handle that situation with you. Okay. Awesome. Hey mom, how's it going? Good. How was your day? Ugh, not really good. Coach said that he's totally changed the starting lineup for this weekend and I probably won't even get into the match. Well, have you been trying hard enough? Oh, you know me. I'm always trying. Well, what did you do? Because I don't think the coach would just switch it out on you if you for no reason. I don't know. Like I, you know, I, maybe... I feel like you're kind of blaming the coach for this. Well, it totally is his fault because I started last weekend. So why would I not start this well, weekend? I don't know what's going on. I mean, I've seen you know I've seen you at home before. Sometimes you're just kind of watching TV and not really following with you know doing extra work for school if it's boring i I don't have to pay attention do i I you know what the coach knows what he's doing okay so quit questioning him and figure out how you want to if you want to start figure it out whatever (laughs) (laughs) i'm really good at that aren't i (laughs) no you got that down (laughs) all right let's try again so you guys out there everybody listening to that that's how you don't want to be that's just what's going to keep your kids from wanting to share information with you there was a study done of a thousand teenagers when asked who would you like to go to when you have a problem almost every teenager said my parent asked who do you go to almost every teenager said anybody but my parent and then asked why don't you and they said because if we do we get yelled at grounded lectured or parents so disappointed or upset they can't sleep for the next three months or they go and rescue mm-hmm. all right so at one hand they want to tell us stuff but they again they've been listening from how we react to their, our, their, how they react to our tragedy since we were little kids. So this time we're going to turn it around and I'll be more effective. And for you parents out there, listen to what I'm doing. Like the last time I was negating, I was making accept, um, assumptions with her. I was um, 
blaming. You know, like pretty much denying anything you said. Yeah. Completely wrong. Right. It wasn't very empowered. Was it very empowering for you? No. <laughs> how's your self? How's your self confidence right now? I'm going to my room. It stinks, doesn't it? You're <laughs> Smoke a joint or something. Who knows, man? You're done with I'm me. I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm out of here. Okay, so let's All do right. it again. So, Mom, I practice is awful. I'm being moved off of the starting squad, and I have no idea why. Wow. I bet that's upsetting. It's totally upsetting. Like, yeah. I, I didn't even do anything. I was there at practice. I was participating. You know, I had the most kills last weekend. Why am I being removed from the starting lineup? I don't know. I don't know. And... I don't even, I don't have an answer for you. And you know me, I love to have answers. And at this moment, I don't. But I do want to thank you for sharing that with me. Because I bet it's just killing you inside. Yes, it's so frustrating because I've worked so hard to get to this place. I know you love that sport. You just, you love it. I, can, I know you're passionate in it. So passionate. It's a really huge game too. I really want to win this match. And if I'm not on the court, like, how am I going to help my team? Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. Okay. Um, have you spoken to the, did you go up and talk to the coach about it? No, because like right at the very end of practice, he's like, all right, here's going to be the starting lineup. Like I totally was blindsided. Yeah. Do you want to speak to him tomorrow about it? Kind of probably sounds like a good idea. I, I guess I could do that. Well, I'd be willing to work with you. Like come up with some bullet points for you with you brainstorm a little bit, but like the main, like your main, way of asking him or the things that you want to you know find out from him if that's you actually, want later on that's actually a really good idea because then maybe he would respond or at least i'd understand why yeah i mean yeah because i think that's the biggest thing for you right now is that you just don't get get it right you know so um, yeah then i maybe can help my team in another way yeah, yeah. so uh, i have another question for you okay what do you need right now to take care of you I guess I just need some space because I'm still really upset from this and I have homework to do. So I might as well just go, go to my room. Okay. It's interesting. <laughs> Much better. Right. <laughs> yeah. And parents, I hope you heard you, you heard me out there. Like I didn't have an answer for her. And I said that I just, but I thanked her for sharing it with me because I could see where it was just eating her up. And so I was, I was being curious with her. I was listening intently, being empathetic, and I was encouraging her without rescuing her. Very good. Yeah, you know, that's so, an amazing difference. Yeah, so we would talk about it later, practice it, send her to school the next day. And, and one of my last things I would say to her on the way out the door is like, you know, good luck with your conversation with coach today, and please let me know how it goes. Yeah. So that she knows I have her back, right? And that however it goes, you feel comfortable enough to come back and that's that step that we're talking about for all kids in the beginning when things don't feel right with a coach or a teacher is to give them the words to use help and support them to go and use their voices to say to the teacher how it what they need from them knowing yeah. that you're there to back them up without rescuing that's the key you're not going to the coach your child is going not to the in the beginning yeah no you just have them practice standing up for themselves and you know saying what they need yep no that's fabulous advice and I think we as parents, we get so frustrated on their behalf. We assume we know all the details of it. And if, you know, I'm going to go solve this and, you know, you're going to march right in. You're going to totally negate the relationship. <laughs> that Not to mention how, uh, how, how it feels for the coach, you yeah. know, to have these constantly these parents. 
yeah as, as we all know it's all levels now it's not even <laughs> college oh yes it's the professional world too you know having parents step in trying to save their kid and it's just that's not that's not what we're looking for here we want to teach our kids to have to know how to self-advocate and we can be the advocates with them in the you know but that's working with them not fixing things for them yeah which is great which leads into step number three so we've gone through build confidence use your voice step number number three is establishing your boundaries and this is part of what actually we were just talking about right which is knowing who you are and as your example when the coach said you know was trying to intimidate you and you walked Mm -hmm. away know what your boundaries are and teaching your child it's okay to advocate for yourself and if the boundaries are being crossed come, you know, come to my, me as a parent and let's talk about it and let's know whether these are being crossed or not, or whether there's something that can be done. Right. And again, um, and along with boundaries, parents, the easiest way your kids are going to know how to have boundaries and stick to boundaries is by you modeling that 95% of what your kids are going to learn is what you model. Mm -hmm. So when you're setting boundaries with your kids, make sure that the boundaries that you're setting are that important to you that you're not willing to back down. You know, if you're backing down because you're tired, you don't, you're teaching your kids to back down in those moments at a workout that they're tired. If you're, you know, you, if you're backing down because you want your kid to be happy, you're modeling to your kids to back down on their own boundaries, even when things feel totally uncomfortable because they want that person, their coach or who, the doctor or whoever it is to be happy. And so it's real important not to, you know, to, if you're going to have a limit, stick to it. Yes. Which leads to number four, which is advocate for yourself, right? So we need to acknowledge their feelings, let them know like you did so well in that, in that role play and let them know that they are empowered to advocate for themselves. And when I felt so much better, I'm going to go back to that coach tomorrow and talk to him. The outcome may not be any different. I may still be on the bench, most likely, because he already made a decision. But I know that I did everything in my power to have my voice heard. Yeah. And if it's something that gets to a point where it feels uncomfortable, you always have another option. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of these gymnasts in this whole thing today, this last few weeks, I don't think they, for most of them, they don't think they felt they had another option. Yeah. And they're, you know, they put a lot of trust in someone who obviously in the bigger picture was not a trustworthy person. Right. And so, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really happy in the big picture that, that judge allowed all those young women to speak up. I think it was a beautiful time for them. It, it helped them learn to use their voice and to be strong advocates of using their voice. I think all these young women will be amazing advocates for all the young athletes out there. So I, you know, first of all, I just want to thank them for having the courage to speak up and, and model to the rest of the kids in the world, what it looks like to be a self advocate and just use your voice. You know, and I think that judge was phenomenal. She turned out to be like a therapist for these kids and really, and she gave them the perfect example of what it looks like to be heard. She heard every single one of them and her comment at the end of each one was so empowering that you know, those kids walked away feeling like they were heard. And that is such an important process when it comes to healing any old stuff and just in the bigger picture, what, what does that look like to be heard? Yeah. So huge, so important. And what we really want to take away from this is how we can help as parents help our kids, whether and whether it gets to this level or not, we're still there's always issues of 
of conflict that we need to resolve. So the better we can teach them to advocate for themselves, the more we can step back. And the mm -hmm. more we can step back, the faster they're ready to fly out of the nest and be able to take care of themselves, right? Which is ultimately what we're trying to do is get them to be able to manage their own lives, right? Be self, yeah, be, you self know, know how to do self-management, self-regulate. And, you know, and I, what I, for you out there that are have your kids old enough that they can actually read about what's going on with the and what these you know watch the interview the videos of these young women speaking their mind you know it it focus on the how strong they're being and how they're using their voice and look at their confidence that they're standing in front of a courtroom speaking and don't spend a lot of time talking you don't really spend, have to spend a lot of time talking about what the doctor actually did i mean that's totally age appropriate but those young can see these young girls being strong and standing. It's like that thing about um, Mr. Rogers. I think he's the one that said, you know, one time I was watching TV and it was a disaster. And my mom totally focused on all the workers, all the ambulance, the fire workers and focusing on people helping versus what was happening. And, and we, we always say, look, look for the helpers. Yeah. And that's the same thing. Look at these girls, look at how strong they are. They're speaking their minds. They're telling them what they need and what they don't want anymore. And it's a beautiful it's a beautiful example for a beautiful role model for the rest of the kids yeah. watching this. It'd be a watershed moment for everybody who's feeling at any point, feeling like this isn't the way, this isn't the right thing. Like you said, you always have a choice and you can go find something else. It doesn't mean that you opt out the second things go rough, but mm -hmm. it means that you, you make a good decision based on what your values and um, options are. Yeah. And what I always, I always say, if you're good at something, wherever you're at, someone's going to find you. Yeah. You don't have to be on the most elite team or the most elite school to be a success. If you're that good, they'll find you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Susie. This was yeah, awesome. You too. I know. Yeah, this is I, great. All I right. Love our conversations. I know. <laughs> I hope it's valuable to you guys out there. I'm going to post these four principles on my website, kirstenjonesinc.com. And I'll be posting them on my website too, Susie, uh, Susie Guth Walton. Um, they'll be on there. And also I have a, a page on Facebook called The Joy of Parenting. So they'll be on both of those too. Great. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye.